0: Hello and welcome to the Brookwood Church Sunday Message Podcast. Today, our senior pastor, Perry Duggar, is back with a message continuing in our series on Colossians. You can follow along with this message by opening up your Bible or your Bible app to Colossians 3. You can also find our weekly message outline and many other resources on our website at brookwoodchurch.org or our Brookwood Church app.
1: we need to give voice to our praise, not just to Beth Moore's beautiful talent, but her words are important to each of us, and give voice to that. We continue this series, a survey of the book of Colossians, a short book, called Living Change Lives. I hope that you're reading along and rereading, you know, if you want to get some familiarity with the scripture, you kind of have to start somewhere. You put a stake down. Maybe Colossians is that for you. Spend some time reading it, rereading it. Then it's easier to add understanding when you lay a foundation Then otherwise the Bible can just be a little bit intimidating. It's so long, so many books. Today's passage that I'm dealing with is out of Colossians chapter three, verses 12 through 17. And we have recommended for you a devotional book, which is just a book written only on Colossians chapter 3 by James Bryan Smith for sale out there. It's 30 chapters. It's good for a daily devotion. Just to stimulate your thinking, to help you understand this truth that your life is hidden in Christ. Theme verse, take out your message guide if you haven't already. Colossians chapter 3, first part of verse 12. When it says 12 Ave, it just means it's not the whole verse 12. Since God chose you to be the holy people he loves, you must clothe yourselves. It looks like all of you did that this morning. <laughs> but, but how does it feel? I want you to, I want you to, to feel this. How does it feel to know God chose you. How's it feel? And he didn't choose you because you you, you, you know, he was going to make you walk more righteously. He chose you, why? Because he loved you. That's the whole explanation for the good news is that God chose to love you. Then he drew us to himself. He adopted us as his children. But now get this. He didn't choose us merely to give us passage into heaven after we die. He chose us to live a holy life on earth. Anybody know the Greek word? from which we have, the, we have the English word holy? It's probably up there by now, isn't it? No. Hagias. You don't need to know that. But it means set apart. It means separate. And the reason I bring the Greek is because we think of holy as just basically being well-behaved, don't we? I'm holy, I don't do anything wrong. No, no, that's not, that's not what it means. It means you are set apart, you are separate, you are distinct. And we confirm our calling, our relationship with God in Jesus Christ, our identity. By living and acting differently, set apart, separate from this world by living a life dedicated to God so if you're holy are you going are you going to fit in perfectly some of you experiencing that you don't fit in perfectly because you were called you were adopted you were loved And you were set apart to be holy. Now, is holiness your responsibility or God's responsibility? Come on. Both. Be ye holy because I am holy. You're declared holy and you're becoming holy. But again, you participate with the Spirit working within you. So, so we have some responsibility of cooperation, but the change comes from God, because our actions, you see, are the outward proof, the life we're living is the outward proof that an inward transformation has taken and is taking place, and it's not invisible. Now, after describing what God has done for these followers at Colossae, which is modern-day Turkey, interestingly, a number of these New Testament cities are in Turkey where there's a very aggressive move toward Islam and elimination of Christianity. But Paul tells them and us what they should be wearing. Bill's your wife tell you what to wear? She likes my shirts to match. <laughs> she likes your shirts to match to match what? With her. With her. Oh, to match with her. <laughs> <laughs> it's it. Well, y'all don't match today. She's wearing Carolina. You're wearing Clemson colors. I mean that doesn't. That, uh, oh yeah. <laughs> well, that's another. <laughs> She's at the beach. Well, some's not matching there. But the, the, important, the important part isn't that your shirt matches your wives, although she may take exception to that. It's that your shirt matches your pants. Do you know that? Your shirt ought to match your pants. Well, we're talking about a different kind of clothing today. And Paul's saying, clothe yourself first, with Christ's character, we begin at Colossians three, verse twelve. I'm just going to repeat the theme verse: since God chose you to be the holy people He loves, you must clothe yourselves with tender-hearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Tender-hearted mercy. Displays feelings of compassion toward others, especially others in need. Kindness is expressed by always avoiding harshness toward others. Now, that doesn't mean sometimes we people use kindness to avoid telling the truth, it doesn't mean you avoid honesty. We can be Honest and kind. Humility doesn't mean thinking poorly of ourselves. It actually means seeing ourselves accurately and recognizing that our worth is based on our identity in Jesus Christ not by what other people around us are saying about us. A humble person thinks of others first, thereby avoiding pride which poisons relationships. Gentleness doesn't mean weakness. Gentleness means strength that's under control. And it's often expressed as the willingness to endure suffering rather than inflicting suffering on someone else. Are you willing to take the pain instead of give out the pain? Patience, the Greek is actually long-tempered, also translated in some of your Bibles, long-suffering, Patience enables you to put up with irritating people. You know any irritating people? Are you sitting near them? <laughs> so you can put up with irritating people and stressful situations without reacting. Now, as I I began, I talked about holiness being a cooperative effort, but clothing ourselves is a cooperative exercise as well. Now, the truth is a lot of men say, does this go together in the morning? So that's a cooperative exercise between you and your wife, but this is a cooperative exercise between you and the spirit of God. Philippians 2 says, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it's God in you who works both to will and to do of his good pleasure. So you're responsible and he's responsible. You have to exert effort and he's exerting the effort. We know that we can't truly change our character permanently. You know, sometimes when you're not upset, you can really be nice, is that true? You don't lose, you're, you're not impatient. You don't say anything ugly. You're just, you know, you got it. You think it's, oh, I'm changed. Until that irritating person shows up again. And you know that person who not only is just generally irritating, but has the ability to say the most precisely irritating thing imaginable. Do y'all know that person? And then all this, quote, change that you have effected in your life is completely blown away. But when God's spirit works change, that frustration is just not there. It's just not even there. But that's why all of these character traits, and they're, they're similar, it's a similar list to what we saw in the fruit of the Spirit because these are fruit of the Spirit from Galatians 5, 22. So here, here's where we begin. Are you clothed with Christ-like character? And if not, why not? Why not? I must also clothe myself with Christ's attitude. Now we copy Christ's attitude toward us, and he offers us some very significant things in this passage forgiveness, love, and peace. Verse 13. Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. That's an irritating passage, isn't it? Because not only did it say forgive, it says you have to make allowance for their faults. In other words, knowing they're about to arrive in advance. It's not enough to endure mistreatment without retaliating. You must also forgive the person who has offended you. Even if the person hurt you, intentionally, cruelly, deliberately. How easy is forgiveness? Is it easy? Well, um, does it help by knowing that you need to forgive because Christ has forgiven you? Does that help make it easier? Does it? I want some honesty. No, it doesn't. I'm tired of y'all giving me these Bible answers that you know aren't true inside. Oh no, Christ forgave me and so now I'm going to forgive anybody. Then why'd you treat that waitress with the wrong order so badly? I'll tell you what that does. You forgive because Christ forgave you. That does a good job making you feel guilty. Does, is it? Cause I know the people that are in this room. Now there may be another church somewhere that they just, oh yes, oh, oh, I, oh, I don't even consider not being forgiving. But I know y'all, I know this much. Are you harboring unforgiveness? Are you harboring unforgiveness? How do I know? Well, if you hear a certain person's name, do you get a burning sensation? Do you feel triggered? Do you feel frustrated? If you think this woman's car has just pulled up into your rearview mirror, how does it make you feel as you wait on the stoplight? You see my point? You haven't forgiven. It's still there. What makes, what makes forgiveness so difficult? You know? You know what makes forgiveness so difficult? You try to. I'm, I will give you that. I think you do try to, right? I, I'll say that for, for most of you, you really do try to do this. But it's difficult because, see, you won't release someone from an offense if you think refusing to forgive is doing something for you. Well, does this make sense to anybody? It's doing something for you. That's why you won't release it. I can't release it. Uh Uh-uh. Erase the word can't. Won't. like what? Like holding on to that unforgiveness somehow holds that person accountable for the pain he or she caused. And and you think if you just completely free them they'll get away with their mistreatment, with their cruelty, with their lack of concern, if you release them fully. Is this reaching anybody? Because you know you want to and somehow it's stuck in there, right? It's stuck. Well, are you hesitant? Are you resistant to forgive? You got to, right now, the Spirit will be telling you something right now. Are you re, why are you resistant or hesitant to release, to forgive? Whatever your reason is, take that to God. It may sound like this God, I think if I release this person who stole money from me, who said terrible things about me, who hurt me, who committed adultery on me and destroyed our home, whatever, fill in the blank, who caused my company to go into bankruptcy, he'll get away with it. He'll get away with it. Who was so angry to me, the father that struck me, the, the mother that abandoned me, if I forgive it, She'll get away with it. Now you got to take that to God. And you got to say, what do you think about this? And let him speak to you. Now I'm going to tell you this. I'm not going to point out anybody. But, but in this room is represented considerable. Abuse. That may be true of every church, but I know it's true of this one. Considerable abuse has been suffered. But you keep suffering if you can't forgive. So let's take this to the Lord. See, when you truly know that God didn't abandon you even in your hour of pain, that he will protect you now and forever, and he will deal appropriately with your oppressor. You will be able to release the one that hurt you. See, but you have to live, you have to have the mind of Christ No, nope. Romans twelve nineteen, vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. Now we can forgive. That's what I'm saying. I'm not saying it's easy, but we can forgive. I didn't say we can always reconcile. Because reconciliation requires the participation of two. Both opposing parties have to come back into relationship for reconciliation. And forgiveness doesn't mean put yourself in the posture to be wounded again. You hear me? That's codependence. That's not forgiveness. Romans 12, 18. Verse 14. Above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds us all together in perfect love harmony. Now that's a tough one too. See, love is what enables us to have honest relationships with others. If you ever said, well, I can't tell her the truth about that because I love her so much. That's not love and you've deceived yourself. Love has to be based on honesty. But honesty doesn't have to be expressed with cruelty either. Love enables us to have relationships with people who have different opinions, different preferences, different personalities. See, I can love you whether you want me to love you or not. I don't, even, I don't even have to ask your permission. Scripture says while we were sinners, Christ died for us. And he died out of his love for us. See, even if we have disagreements, I can love you because it isn't an emotion. It's a decision. That's where our culture is all messed up about this. They really don't know love. They really know infatuation. But interestingly, you know, with all the promiscuity, they're even losing the idea of infatuation, you know, largely. It's, it's do you have time? Love's a decision. Emotion usually accompanies it and almost always follows it. But if you put emotion on the front, you'll never love. Love's a decision. Love controls how we treat people. But understand the definition of love. Love does not mean I always do what delights you. Love means I do what is best for you. instead of doing what's best for me, which will promote harmony. Love compels me, 2 Corinthians 5, 14, to come toward you even after you've hurt my feelings, even knowing you might hurt them again. Well, wait a minute, it sounds like you're saying that love is more about me than about the other person. Exactly is what I'm saying. That's exactly what I'm saying. And loving each other identifies us as Jesus' disciples. John 13. Who knows that verse? And your love for each other will identify you as my disciples. Who knows that verse? Come on now. (laughs) You think I'm going to call on you to recite it, don't you? John 13, 34 and 35. Your love for one another will prove to this world that you're my disciples. Well, why? Because people that are alike, don't they love each other? Two people that are infatuated, don't they love each other? So, what could be so unusual about this love that would cause them to say, that person's a follower of Christ? Because you're loving someone who's not easy to love. You see? So, it draws attention. You're loving someone in a way that's unusual because it's not self-serving at all. And it identifies you as someone who's other than this culture. Love enables us to forgive other people's faults. Love causes us to refuse to wrong anyone for any reason. Continues in 15. And let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. For as members of one body, you are called to live in peace. We think of peace as being, as an absence of strife, don't we? Is that what y'all think of? Put in the common vernacular, as being left alone. I need some peace. I want to be left alone. Now, who thinks that's the biblical meaning of peace? It's not the biblical meaning at all. Biblical meaning is far different than that. In fact, look what Jesus said at John 14. I'm leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give. Do you notice that? Well, the world can give you everything they want, right? Right? The world can give you a sweetheart, right? The world can give you good circumstances, right? The world can give you a, a pleasant life, right? The peace I give you is a gift the world cannot give. So don't be troubled or afraid. And these were, this was said to men that were about to suffer persecution. Do you possess the peace of Christ? Do you have peace? Because you see, the peace of Christ is not based on circumstances which change. It's based on, one, having peace with God by faith, knowing eternity is settled. But it's also believing that God controls the present and the future. And nothing and no one can separate me from the love of God found in Christ Jesus. The Hebrew word that's translated peace is shalom, and it means to be complete or whole. This settled belief enables you to have peace with other people because because your life is whole in Jesus. Yeah, people disappoint you. Yes, people are frustrated with you. Yes, they're frustrating for you. But you know what? Are you whole in Jesus Christ? If so, then you can be calm and hopeful and not stressed, not sensitive, not defensive if you really truly believe that God controls your life, not your circumstances, and that he provides what you need, not other people, is the peace of Christ ruling in your life right now? Or are you controlled by your circumstances? That's a hard question, isn't it? what was on your mind before I started? Besides, I hope he doesn't go long today. (laughs) What has occupied your mind the most in the last 24 hours? Now decide whether you're at peace based on that. How can this possibly happen? Well, there's only one way. It does require effort. You have to live so closely connected to Christ that His presence is more controlling of your life, more influential of your feelings than your circumstances or our culture or the news. Some of that time you're spending on the news, spend it in the book. Because, you, because Christ in you has to grow and this world's pressure on you has to be reduced. And then he says in this section, and always be thankful. You know, appreciation also promotes peace Because we experience contentment within when we focus on what we've been given by God instead of what we're lacking. Now, I don't, I don't want you to even raise your hand and acknowledge this, but I want you to think about it. How much of your time in the last week have you spent thinking about what you need? what you want to get, what you gotta have versus how much time have you spent in the last week thinking about how much you've been given what you have. You know, isn't it interesting how we can spend a lot of time thinking, oh, I just need this. Oh, I need that. Oh, if I had the new faucet Oh, if I could have a new shower head and I could feel like I was in the Amazon forest then. And then it's time to clean out the basement. Clean out the closet. Who has closets just crammed full of stuff you haven't touched in three years? Come on. I want some honesty here. Come on. Yes, God has given you more than you can possibly use to such a degree that your excess is becoming a problem. Gratitude toward God will also result in generosity toward others. Are you thankful? Are you appreciative? Are you generous? Do you give? You know, you're looking to say, well, I'm not giving at the church because they're not spending everything. No, we can't afford to spend everything we plan to to spend because we cannot overspend what we collect. So it might be you need to give. Start giving. Finally, I must clothe myself with Christ's message. Let the message about Christ in all its richness fill your lives. Teach and counsel each other with all the wisdom he gives. The message about Christ refers to the truth, the revelation that he brought to to the world, which was recorded in the Gospels, but explained through the New Testament letters. And really Christ's coming and Christ's message reinterpreted Old Testament teaching because it fulfilled the law and replaced it with the new covenant. So we must clothe ourselves in the scriptures, wrap ourselves up in the word and let it guide our lives instead of our personal opinions and preferences in spite of our individual wants and desires. When you make a decision, do you reflect on what would God want me to do here? See, the truths about scripture should permeate every aspect of our lives. And the truths about scripture should govern every thought, every word, and every deed. Well, how can this happen? Well, again, it won't unless you saturate yourself in the Bible, reading, studying, living God's word, but also speaking and listening to the author of the Bible who illuminates his word and applies it to our lives so that it becomes the truth we live by instead of just Verses and pages and words that we know. There's a big difference, isn't there? Here's a question. Have you ever done anything that you know to be biblically wrong? Anybody, come on. Any? You knew it to be biblically wrong right when you were doing it. You know why? You know why you did it? Because it wasn't really true to you. Because I'll tell you this, you always live according to what you believe is true. How often? You don't believe that, do you? Yes, you do. You always live according to what you believe is true. So that word on the printed page is less real, less true than what you're feeling. Maybe you want to release some emotional pain somehow. But realize this, you don't read the Bible just for yourself. You're responsible for using what you teach and counsel. As it says, teach and counsel each other with all the wisdom he gives. See, I think a lot of sin could be covered if we were willing to speak up. I think we see train wrecks long before they ever fall off the rails. We see adultery about to happen long before anybody's checking into a motel. We see anger out of control long before it becomes truly destructive. And we say nothing. Somehow we've written in a new verse that says, mind your own business. The 11th commandment, don't interfere. I don't find that commandment, do you? What I find is that we are responsible for each other, to each other, for how we live. And we're responsible to give guidance to each other. Do you believe that? Don't acknowledge this, but when was the last time you saw someone who professed to be a Christian headed in completely the wrong direction and you didn't say a word? We can't live this way. We can't live this way. We have to help each other. We have the responsibility of teaching and counseling each other. And that means instructing in a positive way, but counsel also means admonishing, sometimes in a corrective way, you see? That may be the loving thing you ever do for someone is when you say, nope, you're not going there and I'm standing in your way to keep you from going. The warning is sometimes the most loving word you can give. Then it continues, sings, sings psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to God with thankful hearts. Here's what I want to talk to us about. This church has grown greatly in its participation in worship. But when the message of Christ dwells richly within us, it makes some changes. It transforms us and it will be expressed through song. I don't know why God invented singing. And I don't know why some of us have it better than others. But all of us can express our faith in a way that's not entirely intellectual, but is more spiritual and emotional. And God determined it was necessary for our growth. So he says, sing psalms. Those are Old Testament psalms. David wrote many of them. They were sung in worship. Hymns were expressions of praise to God that voiced biblical truth. And you can see it there in Colossians. If you're using this book, it's on the other page. That's believed to be a song. Colossians chapter one, 15 through 20. Also Philippians two, six through 11 are, are, are hymns that were sung in services. Spiritual songs are are more like personal testimonies where you give voice to what God's done for you, similar to our choruses. When we sing a hymn, we address God. When we sing a chorus or spiritual song, we largely address each other. There's exceptions to that. Well, which one of those is right? They're both right. They're both right. And that's why at Brookwood, we don't use one style. I mean, sometimes someone of a certain age will say, well, you don't do enough hymns there. A young person say, well, you don't do enough of these choruses there. No, we use a variety of songs and various styles and assorted singers so that people of different ages can participate in leading and also participate in singing. Because all the styles Express praise to God. All the styles glorify God. And so we sing different styles through different people using different instruments to just encourage all of you to express your faith in song. You know, if you say, well, I'm not a singer, I urge you, God put that voice in you. Use it. Express your faith. Because your singing gives voice to your emotional and your spiritual self in the way speaking doesn't. Singing not only expresses faith, singing builds faith. Have you noticed when you sing, that truth just sinks all the way to your soul? It moves past your cognitive mind. So I urge you, participate in singing, in worship doesn't matter the quality of your voice. Let it be the expression of your soul. And then verse 17, and whatever you do or say, do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to him through God the Father. In other words, what would Jesus do? In every instance, we should speak and we should act consistently with who Jesus is and what Jesus wants. So how are you clothed? See, Christians should close themselves with Jesus Christ so that when others look, they see him instead of you. Is that true of you? Counselors, you come to the front. Counselors will be here to pray with you. They'll anoint with oil for healing. They'll talk with you. Remember our baptism today at seven. It's a great time of worship down at the amphitheater, we hope. If the lightning doesn't accompany our baptism, it'll be moved into South Campus, I assume, if it's lightning, if the weather's bad. Father, how we thank you that you provide us clothes that make us look like Christ, and then you enable us to wear them. Help us, Lord, to put forth the effort to dress like Jesus. But all the while, you change us conform us to his appearance. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Thank you for coming.
0: Here at Brookwood Church, our desire is to assist you in pursuing a relationship with Jesus so that you can experience transformed life. One of the ways that you can do that is by getting connected here at Brookwood. If you would like to know more about the many ways you can connect with other Christians here, or if you just have any questions about who we are, you can email us at connections at or call us at 864-688-8326. Thank you so much for listening and have a blessed day.